Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So we arrived at the fourth advent today, which is all about joy. <clears throat> and joy is a very interesting uh, thing to talk about because we often, similar to peace, don't really get the full capacity of what joy can do for us. And so today I wanted to do two things. I wanted to, yes, go into joy a little bit further, but I also want to talk about the journey that we have taken so far over the past few weeks during the Advent season. As we first started out, Let's see. Let's try that again. So we first started out with faith, first advent, last Sunday in November, and then we moved on to peace, to love, and today we talk about joy. And so I want to kind of review a little bit what Pamela talked about on faith, what I talked about on peace, and what Denise talked about love before we move into joy, because it starts to all come together because they're intimately connected. One cannot exist without the other. But for today, I wanted to, again, have this core message that I hope is the least you take home from today. If there's one thing I want you to remember from today, it is this. Faith, peace, love, and joy are the foundation of my, of our spiritual awakening. Let's affirm this together. Faith, peace, love, and joy are the foundation of my spiritual awakening. So we already know that when we are familiar with some of the unity teachings, and if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, you've heard it over and over again, that we believe that the Christmas story has much more to do with our spiritual awakening than with what actually happened. Not denying that it happened or whether it happened, but simply taking that story as an inspiration of what we can do today in order to fully realize who we are. Whether we call this Christ consciousness, God consciousness, whether we call this divinity, spirit, it doesn't really matter that much, the words we use. But I think we all probably can agree on the idea of what it means to be fully who and what we are. And so when we go to Charles Fillmore's, our co-founder's interpretation of hope and faith, which was what Pamela was talking about, our licensed unity teacher, When she spoke on that, she made the distinction between, and Charles here writes, hope is the expectation of good in the future. It is a quality of sense, mind, because it is subject to time. 
So you can actually hear there's some form of limitation. A limitation that's connected to time. A limitation that's somehow projected into the future of something we would like it to achieve. And then when we compare it to faith, what happens then is faith is the certain knowledge that our good is ours right now. It is of God. It goes beyond time and space. There's a very, very important distinction between hope and faith because often when we are practicing spiritual practices, we operate more often from hope than we operate from faith. Can you see that? When you truly are honest with yourself, especially when you start a spiritual practice, we often have to start with hope because our faith has not yet been established. It takes some time to establish faith, doesn't it? It takes time to really get into the nitty and gritty of things and really have a deep conviction. That's what faith is. It's a deep conviction that something is already a reality right now. We're not hoping that we're getting better sometime later. We're not hoping that we're going to be more loving sometime in the future. We have faith, at least that we have the ability to be loving, to be healthy right here and right now. Very important distinction. Also very important to realize, and there's no shame about this, that when we move into our spiritual practices and we see that it's not working and not going our way, it's often connected because of that distinction. So if something doesn't work our way, we could simply ask ourselves, am I hoping or am I having faith? And believe me, just saying I have faith doesn't help much. The words alone are not powerful enough. We must really feel it deeply in every core of who we are. In Scripture, we see it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, also expressed that way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Also very clearly described. So we see <clears throat> evidence in Scripture of what Charles Fillmore is interpreting in the revealing word. Often I get the question, well, who is Charles Fillmore and why do, are we supposed to uh, believe him or listen to him? Well, it's because he really studied this stuff together with other scholars and then just wrote his interpretation in it. And about the belief, whether you have to believe it or should believe it or want to believe it or not, it really doesn't matter. In the end, what really matters is if you apply it, does it work for you? Because if you apply it and it doesn't work for you, maybe it's not for you right now. Or if you apply it and it doesn't work for you, maybe there's something for you to change or to learn, or to grow into, or to, to just adapt into. Some of these principles, as you know, are very simple. They're not complicated. The laws, the spiritual laws, are just a handful of them, and they all work for us. 
they all are built into the core of who we are, all we need to do is surrender to them. When something doesn't work, it's usually because we just are not there yet. We just haven't gotten it just yet. And it's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not something to be discouraged about. It's actually something to find joy in, to see there's more for me to explore. So then we moved on to peace. You know, I spoke on peace. And you have seen this verse already many times when Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Surpasses all understanding. It's not about a peaceful feeling. A peaceful feeling, which we usually just write with a small p, is different to a capital P peace. The small p peace is the feeling that kind of like, you know, how we have the roller coasters in our lives. Sometimes you feel peaceful, sometimes you feel not so peaceful, and so on. That's fleeting. It comes and goes. That's not the peace that Paul is talking about here. Paul talks about the kind of peace that passes, surpasses, goes beyond all understanding. So it's important for us to actually understand what kind of peace we are supposed to practice or we are supposed to learn about, because if we only look for the little p peace, we will find that we will go away over and over again. As a meditation teacher now for well over 25 years, the number one concern that students have is that the peace that they try to find keeps going away for them. They start meditating and then it works for them a little while and they get to the peaceful feeling and then all of a sudden they get into like a rut in meditation and all of a sudden it doesn't feel peaceful anymore. It's because the meditation is focused on the feeling rather than peace true peace itself. And when it comes to our spirit, comes to our awakening, then it cannot only be about the peaceful feeling. It cannot only be about something that comes and goes, sometimes without, within our control, sometimes outside of our control. It has to be at some, about something that is stable, that is consistent and is always available to us. And that can only be something that is past and surpasses our understanding. Make sense so far? All good on what piece we are talking about? Okay. So two things already. Faith, which is, which is the conviction that we build about the reality that is already true for us. And then peace that passes all understanding. We no longer look just for a peaceful feeling. We no longer are just seeking the feeling, but we are actually finding true peace, which will be there even in the greatest turmoil. I use some of the storm stories in the Christian scripture to illustrate that a couple of weeks ago. You know, where 
Jesus calms the storm or Jesus walks in water. Those are all examples of establishing true peace regardless of what's actually happening. We can be in the boat and being rocked around by the storm, but if we truly find peace, it really doesn't matter anymore because we are below the surface and we're just witnessing what's going on. So then, Denise, our auto license unity teacher, was talking about love. And she used probably one of the well, most well-known or best-known scripture in the Christian scriptures, John chapter 13, 34, where it says, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another, just like I have loved you. We usually hear it as shortened, love one another. Jesus was very clear that this is a new commandment. He was challenged by the Philippines and the Levites and, 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 um, and um, not the Philippines. <laughs> I'm thinking about food, Philippian food. So. <laughs> you know who I mean, right? <laughs> it's all those ugly people. So <laughs> it's those people who are not ugly, by the way, at all, who are just so consistent to the law, to the Jewish law, and they were really concerned with Jesus' radical approach to established law in a different way. So he was basically just saying, well, I'm not here to really follow the law. I'm here to fulfill the law. And that's actually the request that we have on ourselves. That's what the Christmas story is telling us. Don't follow the law, but fulfill it. Follow the law is fine, right? But fulfilling it is really where it comes about. And so this new commandment then came about out of this whole story where Jesus was challenged about, well, what about Moses' law? Well, I'm here to fulfill it, not just to follow it. A big difference. And then he says, we need to love one another. He only gives us one commandment. Isn't that interesting? It's not 10. It's not 108. It's not 1,000. It's not the millions of laws that we have in our, our day today, right? It's one law. And that law applies all the time. So then we can look at Charles Fillmore again, saying, the pure essence of being that binds together the whole human family. That's what he writes the law is. It's love one another expressed. It's a pure essence that binds us all together. If we ever experience separation, and who hasn't experienced separation lately? past couple of years, right? Disagreements. You're supposed to do this. No, I want to do that. Okay, but ultimately, what binds us together is that unconditional love. And then divine love is also impersonal. It loves for the sake of loving. So whenever we cannot love, we're actually not fulfilling the law. Whenever we're withholding love, we're actually not withholding which cannot be withheld ever. We are not withholding divine love. We're holding, withholding the little l love, the love that we often learn and grow up to believe that that's all we need. And by now, most of us are probably old enough to know exactly that that's not enough. The little l love, the love that goes up and down, just like peace, the feeling of peace up and down, 
It's not enough. We need to go deeper than that. I was just listening to NPR uh, the other day, and a pastor was on NPR. He was interviewed, and he was asked about love, about this first commandment. And he said, you know, it's very hard sometimes to see the love outside of ourselves right now. You know, turn on the TV, and you have all this evidence that love doesn't exist. Okay, read the newspaper, read the, read the internet, and there's all this evidence where it says, well, in the whole wide world, there's a lot of incidences where there's no love. And then he said, so then we must just start a little bit closer to home. We must start with us. We must learn to find the love for ourselves, love for our families, for our friends, love for our community, and not worry too much about the big picture. Because if we master this true love in small doses for ourselves, it will have this ripple effect onto the entire world. But if we keep trying to change the world, something that's very hard to do, especially when we don't have the faith built up to that kind of power yet, then we're always going to fail and get frustrated and stop rather than finding the little steps that we can do and finding the little evidences in our lives and understand that it is possible. Do you really believe that you can love yourself eventually? Anyone? Uh, not too many hands, so there's some hesitation there. It's difficult, right? The loving oneself can be sometimes more difficult than loving someone else. And whichever you choose, whether you try to love someone else or you start with that and then you learn to love yourself or vice versa, really doesn't matter that much. In the end is that we practice to find this love that is available to us at all times. Now, you might remember also this that Denise shared. Love is an inner quality that sees good everywhere and in everybody. It insists that all is good, and by refusing to see anything but good, it causes that quality finally to appear uppermost in itself and in all things. Very easy, right? No. I wish I could do that. But remember what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago? It was just around the Thanksgiving time, about that sacred relationship between praise, gratitude, and love. I was focusing on gratitude, and I was talking about giving you the story of my grandma needing me to sweater instead of giving me a BB gun, and I was supposed to be grateful for that, and I couldn't be grateful for that, and how often we have situations where we are supposed to be grateful, but it just doesn't work because our heart is not in it, our mind is telling us, yes, it's the appropriate thing, I got a thank you card, so now I'm going to write a thank you card, someone said thank you, you know, it's like Sheldon, do you know Sheldon from Big Bang Theory, social convention, right? <laughs> doesn't work. If we don't feel gratitude, it's not as powerful as it could be. So then we said, well, if we can't feel gratitude, we go back to praise, because praise doesn't need 
any feelings associated with it. The second part here says you do not have to feel praise in order to, praise, uh, to say praise, and I challenge you to try it. It really works. I've been using this now for well over 25 years, and it works every single time, especially when you speak it out loud. Whenever I have a challenge with someone, and I can't love them, and I can't be grateful for them, I find something to praise, whether it's the shape of their mask, okay, the color of their shoes, you know, the size of their earrings, which can be enormous, you know, and, you know, so whatever it is, you're laughing, but it's so simple. It's so simple to say a few kind things to one another, even to your worst enemy, if you really put some effort in it, you will find something to praise for them. I remember a colleague of mine, a minister, she really struggled with some of the groups that were popular around Kansas City is where she lived, and they're known as hate groups or um, really tough some of those tough groups, and she decided that she no longer wanted to hate them because that defeated the purpose, that she wanted to try this new commandment, and she sat down with one of their leaders and realized after a short conversation that there's a lot of common ground that they had, family values, caring for certain uh, environmental topics, and there's a lot of common ground that they found, and she was able to go back to praise, <clears throat> started feeling grateful for just those bits and pieces, and then eventually even find that love that binds us all together, which doesn't mean that she condones the actions of that person within that group that are still hateful and they still should be addressed but at least she found a way to connect with him at the deeper level. And if we truly look at the teachings that Jesus Christ is providing for us, that's what we are asked to do. We don't have to agree with each other. Politically, we can be as far right and as far left as we want to be. We will always be able to find something that is praiseworthy. And if we do that, the first sentence there says, praise always leads to gratitude, which always leads to love. It's like magic, but it is not. It's aligned with law, and that's why it works. So now, after service, when you all come up to me and you praise me a lot, I know you have a lot of work to do with me. So. <laughs> But now if you have an issue with me, here is the recipe, right? <laughs> and with each other too. But it's true, it really is that simple. But we need to learn to find that love that's beyond just the loving and kind and the fuzzy feeling that we so are craving sometimes. It's okay to respect someone and love them for just being human, being spirit standing in their truth, even though we may disagree with them. So now we end up with, um, with joy. And joy is so interesting because joy, again, when we look at the scripture, this is another favorite verse of mine, 
that I like to use, again from the Apostle Paul, this time writing to the Thessalonians, saying, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And if you really look closely, and if you know the Christmas story metaphysically, then this is it. That's the Christmas story right then and there. This is the description, the very recipe, how to awaken to the Christ within. And it starts with joy. Paul says to the Thessalonians who were in trouble back then, and all of those churches that he wrote letters to had some issues going on one way or another. And he said, first of all, rejoice always. Always find joy. And again, he wasn't thinking about the feeling of joy. He was thinking about the underlying joy that is here. The joy that you may be able to feel right now, even being able to be here in person or online and spend this time of worship together. Doesn't matter how you feel, you can still experience the joy. Charles Fillmore to Joy says, the happiness of God expressed through his perfect idea, man, and you have to forgive him, okay, patriarch, over a hundred years ago, it's not personal, okay? But I'll, I, I hate to just change it, but I do want to mention it, you know, through his, it, her, you know, replace whatever you want. Man, of course, as humankind, man, woman, all of us, okay? This is not about sexes, this is not about gender or any identification. Joss Fillmore meant to say that joy is expressed through the perfect idea. And who knows? Who studies unity? Who knows what the perfect idea is? Uh-oh, not too many students here. Okay, I know some of you are my students, so I'm going to have a talk with you afterwards. The perfect idea of God is Christ. And if we know and learn and have conviction and have faith that we are Christ, you know what that means? That the perfect idea of God is us. I want you to feel that for a moment. You all are, as you sit here, as you watch from home, you all are the perfect idea of God. If there is only one idea that ever existed, it is you and all of us, just the way you are. Isn't that magnificent? And if that doesn't bring you joy, then I can't help you. <laughs> just kidding. We'll keep doing this, okay? <laughs> we'll keep doing this until we all get it, right? I'll stay here until I fall from the pulpit, so hopefully, you know, you get it before then whenever that's going to be. Again, similar to peace, joy is not just a feeling. True joy goes beyond our understanding and is therefore a state of being. We can be in pure joy at all times, regardless of what happens. We can be in a rock concert. We can be in a rave. We can be totally obnoxious. We can be angry. 
we can be sad, it doesn't matter what it is, we always have the ability to experience the joy if we give ourselves permission to do so. Because we are responsible for our own experience, right? No God out there that makes us do anything. We are the ones who are doing the things. Still with me? Right? We are the activity of God. God is. That's it. We are the perfect idea. Because we, call, because we are the perfect idea, we have some really great ideas how to activate God into this world. And through pure joy, we do it the best. Do we always experience joy or um, have the awareness of that pure joy? Probably not. But that's where faith comes in. We need to start developing the faith that joy is always there and will always be there. It will never go away, ever. Regardless how bad we think we are, how many mistakes we thought we think we made, it doesn't matter. The same joy is available to all of us. This is a book I unfortunately cannot go into too much. But I wanted to mention it, The Book of Joy, written by the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, and Douglas Abrams. And I, I put it in the sermon notes. If you go online on the landing page, you'll click on, on today's sermon and you get the sermon notes. I put the link there if you're interested in the book. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful book and written by people that I would consider they got it. I would consider they know how to express the Christ. I would say, yeah, they actually know that they're the perfect idea of God. But here's something interesting that, that you find in that book, and I'm not going to go into the details of that, but in the sermon notes, you will actually find a description of every of those eight pillars. But I want you to take those in for a moment. Perspective, humility, humor, acceptance, forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. Those are the eight pillars of joy. And even without knowing the description, which are wonderful and useful, you can already tell how useful those eight pillars are for us to practice. Humor, for example. I'm so glad you're responding to my humor today, otherwise it will be awful, right? So that's a big part. So we got one pillar down, right? And then perspective, we talked about perspective a little bit. Once we understand that we are the perfect idea of God, it becomes a little bit easier because we stop fighting with ourselves all the time. Humility, well, you know, uh, ministers and being, being humble, I don't know if that ever works, but I'm, I'm trying it. But you know what I mean. And then acceptance, of course, love one another, forgiveness, a big part, which we're going to talk about next Sunday, the, the burning bowl ceremony, the letting go, the renunciation, that's all about forgiveness, forgiving the false for the truth. Gratitude we talked about, compassion as part of love and wisdom combined, and then generosity, which we already covered because I asked you to open up your wallets and give us more money, right? So we're good there. So we covered all eight pillars, wouldn't you agree? Okay. 
But no, I, jokes aside, really go in and, and read about it. It's, it's a wonderful, even if you don't buy the book, just uh, the description of that will give you something to think about. And then Desmond Tutu has um, a really beautiful quote. Ultimately, he says, our greatest joy is when we seek to do good for others. As soon as we turn our attention away from us and give it a little bit to someone else, life can change. Now, in unity, we are trained to go within, right? We have a lot of internal practices. And sometimes we become very passive as a result to that. And so one of the challenges that we all have as part of the unity community, I think, overall seen is to become active and to become more outgoing in terms of our service. And so according to Desmond Tutu, there's no greater way to experience joy than by helping others. So now let's try to put this all together because there's one more important piece to understand about these four themes of Advent. So we covered faith, peace, love, and joy. And if you're like me, having been trained, going through school, learning everything in a linear world, when you're like me, looking at life, everything goes from birth to death, and then it just stops, right? When you're like me and you're just looking at life and everything seems to be terminal and linear, then you will understand those four advents as a linear experience. But I'm asking you, will this ever lead us to Christ? If we say first we must develop faith, then we must learn about peace, then we must learn about love, and then when we find joy, then we can find Christ. Do you think that really works that way? Unfortunately, actually I would say fortunately, not. What we need to do instead, we need to think in circles. We need to put Christ or divinity or spirit or our highest good, whatever we are comfortable with, we need to put that in the circle, symbolizing that that is already a reality. That's not something to achieve. That's what the linear model is trying to make us believe, that we have to do all these things first before we can get there. Ever thought about this? Right? But if you ever studied any of the enlightened masters, you know that this cannot be true. The only truth that they often speak and write about is that we already are what we seek to be. We just need to be aware of it. And we need to become aware of it. So rather than seeing faith, love, peace, joy as just yet another thing to do, another thing to put on our long list of to-dos every day. Oh yeah, let me, let me spend 30 seconds on faith today because I'm supposed to do that. John Marie told me I need to, so I have to, and otherwise I will never get there. Rather than doing that, let's start thinking in terms of that all of these things are important. And we will 
use them more or less in different ways at different times. Sometimes we may be more joyful or we may experience joy. Sometimes we may be more peaceful. Sometimes we may struggle with love or struggle with faith and so on. But it all surrounds Christ and what we should ask ourselves is how much of who and what we truly are do we actually get to experience right here and right now? Ask yourself right now, if you truly believe and have faith in this, that you are the perfect idea of God or the universe or whatever you're comfortable with, if you truly knew that, how would that feel like? How would that look like? Most of the time, this is how it looks like, right? We can hardly see the Christ in us, especially when we are challenged. And nowadays, challenges are so easy to come about, right? The littlest things can just set us off. And then it's very hard to see Christ. Can you see Christ? It's barely there, right? Can you, yeah, some of you may see it, some of you may not. So it's very, very faint. And then we practice, and then we get to see a little bit more of the Christ. And we continue to practice and we see a little bit more of the Christ and we continue to practice until in the end we have it fully realized. Now again, let's think in circle of things rather than in linear. Just because we have a full experience of who we truly are doesn't mean it stays forever. Have you ever had an epiphany, a peak experience? You know, an experience where you said, where nothing, nothing mattered anymore. That's kind of like how it feels like in our nervous system, how to be completely present and how to be completely and without any excuse who and what we are. But how long did that last? Five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, maybe the whole day, and then it went away. So the challenge here is, and that's what the Advent season is really telling us, and the Christ story is telling us, and I hope you make it for Christmas Eve, whether in person or online, because we have uh, already building a nice little setup. We have um, uh, some really uh, beautiful people that are helping us with the metaphysical interpretation of the Christmas story, which will all go into this, that this is work that we do every single day, every moment in our lives, and we continue to do this work, and this why this work cannot be hard. It has to be easy, and it is. So with that, let us remember that faith, peace, love, and joy are the foundation of our spiritual awakening. Regardless of how practiced we believe we are, Regardless of how well we believe we can realize that Christ, that divinity within, we have the core elements, the core pillars available to us. And before we move into meditation today, let us just say this once more together. Faith, peace, love, and joy are the foundation of my spiritual awakening.
So we're allowing ourselves to take these words, these images, these experiences into our group meditation for today. You choose however way you relax, whether it's through your breath, going through your body extremities, telling yourself to calm and find ease. And allow yourself to come to a place of complete relaxation. Find the peace that passes all understanding. Find the love that is beyond just a feeling. Find the joy that is your very existence. And breathe into that. Allow your breath to carry you deeper and deeper. Find that part of yourself that you know is the perfect idea. And name it whatever you choose, Christ, universe, peace, God. And as you take a deep breath, allow that to sink even in a little bit more. Feel the energy in this room. Feel the energy at home. And allow yourself to expand even further. Feel the presence of someone next to you. And if you're alone at home, imagine someone sitting next to you or a friend or family member just being together, connecting, whether you're in the physical presence or not. Allow that to become power. Allow that to become you and feel their peace, love, and joy, and go even beyond that feeling and allow that which is beyond to become presence. Every moment 
is an opportunity to open. Every moment is an opportunity to be curious. And as we come together, all together, all of us, in meditation, whether we're here, right here, right now, live, in person or online, or even watch the recording, it transcends time and space all the time. We come together as one. We come together as the perfect expression, that perfect idea that we already are. And we truly learn to love one another because we know that we already are love and everyone else is already love. And all we need to do is to give up all that distracts us, all that's in the way. We give it up, we release it, we let it go, we forgive to learn and be just as we are. So with every moment then we allow ourselves to find that conviction. We now have the experience of what it means to be, what it means to be the perfect idea. We now feel it and live it. We know it with heart and mind in perfect harmony and we grab onto that. Not in attachment, but in conviction that the next moment we still have this and we allow this to be part of our joy right here and right now, willing to let it go, but knowing that we don't have to. With that in heart and mind, we will go into this world today and every day we will know who we are. We will know the Christ nature within. We will know God perfectly expressing within us and all the time, every time, beyond time and space, wherever we are, wherever we envision to be. And that is who and what we are. So let us rejoice. and pray without ceasing to give thanks in all circumstances, every circumstance, no exception, no limitation, no excuses, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in all of us because we are that, we are that beautiful, magnificent, magical, perfect idea. So with open hearts and minds, we lift ourselves up. We lift ourselves and everyone else up. 
we move into this world with a dose of gratitude that is so magnificent and huge and enormous that we cannot help but only be grateful for the things we already have so that our generous heart can only do one thing but to give, to give all the time, to give ourselves, our perfect idea to each other. Because that is the gratitude that we feel right now. That is the praise that we give to all of us right now because praise always leads to gratitude and always leads to love and ultimately that's who and what we are. So as we close for today, we just find some words of kindness. And allow that kindness to explore the silence that we already experience without even being still, but know that we are grateful and we say thank you. Thank you to all that have come before us, showing us the way. Thank you to all the books we read. Thank you to all the sermons we listened to. Thank you to everyone that we encounter teaching us the next lesson we need to learn. And thank you most for all ourselves for having the strength and the willingness to be. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.